Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome to the Mansion on the Hill. This is the home of Terry's Serious Moments. Stories of oddness, of weirdness of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Hey Vern, did you know it's time for Terry's Mysterious Moments? What with the quarantine situation, what it is, and no one really traveling around much, I thought we'd take a little cross-country trip using the travel abilities of our minds and imaginations. Are you ready? No need to pack for this one. Certain houses' reputations precede them. We've all had a haunted house in our neighborhood or town that we didn't want to go near because we thought it was haunted. The Amityville house, for example, hardly needs an introduction. It's the real-life site of an alleged haunting in New York that spurred both a book and multiple films. On the West Coast, in sunny San Jose, the Winchester Mystery House acts as both tourist trap and ghostly hotspot. Original owner and designer Sarah Winchester built the bizarre, sprawling mansion with its own seance room and continuously added new rooms to confuse the spirits she thought were stalking her. Science may suggest that ghosts are a figment of the imagination. But what's the fun in that? Researchers who have tried to unearth proof of the paranormal have failed, but they have managed to create the illusion of ghosts, suggesting that hauntings are all in people's heads, as they may well be. It's hard to hear the horror stories from Amityville or tread the halls of Sarah Winchester's creation without getting a little chill down your spine. In that spirit, we're going to look at some of the lesser-known haunted houses in the country. These homes may not really be haunted, but they sure feel that way. Woodburn Mansion the governors of Delaware might get more than they bargained for when they move into their official residence in Dover. Woodburn Mansion, built in 1798, has housed the state's governors since 1965. It's also allegedly the home to some mostly friendly ghosts, including the spirit of the builder, who drinks any wine that might be left out each night. Visitors and residents have reported seeing the man, Charles Hilliard III, wearing a 1700s-style powdered wig and breeches 
Another ghostly resonant is a small girl in a gingham dress, supposedly sighted by guests during the inauguration of Governor Mike Castle in 1985. Tiedman House, or Franklin Castle. In Ohio, this imposing Cleveland home has a reputation for horror. Also known as the Tiedman House, this home at 4308 Franklin Avenue was built in 1881. The haunted house rumors started around 1965, according to the Encyclopedia of Cleveland History, which dismisses the tales as spurious. Spurious, perhaps, but spooky nonetheless. According to legend, the house is full of hidden passages and rooms used to conceal liquor during Prohibition. Several of the Tiedman family children died while the family occupied the home, perhaps not an unusual occurrence in the late 1800s, but enough to fuel later rumors of murder and mayhem. Perhaps the creepiest tale is that an occupant once found piles of baby bones in one of the secret rooms. Pioneer Park, Colorado's most famous spooky spot, arguably, is the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, which inspired Stephen King to write parts of his novel The Shining. But the snowy ski town of Aspen has its share of things that go bump in the night. Pioneer Park, or the Henry Weber House, is one of the few old structures left in Aspen. It was built in the 1880s and is supposedly haunted by the wife of the builder, Henry Weber. Harriet Weber died suddenly in 1881, only a year after the couple arrived in the then mining town and set up a shoe business. Harriet's last words were allegedly, Henry will know, spurring rumors that her death was a murder or a suicide. In fact, she died of strychnine overdose, which doesn't rule out the possibility of an accident. Strychnine was sold as an over-the-counter anxiety cure at the time. Henry Weber went on to marry his wife's niece, with whom he may have been having an affair a mere four months later. Rowan Oak Does William Faulkner still walk the halls of his old home in Oxford, Mississippi? Legend has it the author's spirit is restless, and Rowan Oak, a stately 1844 mansion, seems ripe for haunting. Two imposing rows of pines lead to the pillared white porch the house is open for public tours, but reports of paranormal experiences are fittingly vague. A ghostly Faulkner has been seen writing on the walls of his office, and he roams the grounds, scaring off University of Mississippi students who venture near the house at night. Visiting Rowan Oak after dark is strictly prohibited, a museum spokesman said, no matter your belief in the paranormal. Our security guards are much scarier than any ghosts, he said. Epperson House. With 56 rooms, an imposing two-door facade, and an original owner who died less than two years after the house was completed, it's no wonder that Epperson House near the University of Missouri, Kansas City, has acquired a reputation as a ghostly hotspot. According to the university, the ghost of a music student is said to play the organ in the home's living room. Security guards have reported disembodied footsteps, and a police officer 
even reported feeling a car rear-end his patrol vehicle in front of the house, only to get out and discover no damage and no sign of another car. If you'll forgive me a personal aside here for a moment, why, you may ask, are security guards so much in the forefront of reports of ghostly happenings? It's because at many times, and much of the time, these guards are working overnight and or when no one else is around. The silence of a deserted building is deafening. I know from experience, as I performed security for over 16 years here in San Antonio and worked some reportedly haunted locations while on duty. I have shared some stories in previous episodes, so I'll not repeat myself. The Ferry Plantation House This brick plantation house in Virginia Beach is supposedly quite crowded. A whopping 11 spirits are said to haunt the place. And that begs the question, in homes or places with multiple reported hauntings, do the spirits interact with each other? Or are they in their own zones of time and space? Do they ever join up for spectral socials? This home dates back to 1830. According to legend, dancing balls of light have been seen hovering over the roof of the house. A lady in white supposedly manifests every now and then. Visitors have reported seeing small children on the stairs and in doorways. An old African-American male is said to walk upstairs and cross the sitting room apparently to light a ghostly fire in a now bricked-over fireplace. The home has been the site of several visits by mediums and paranormal investigators, all of whom came away with spooky stories and supposed spectral recordings. Myth or fact? Some of both, I'm sure. But you can see for yourself, the home is open for public tours. Moss Mansion that's a great name for a house, isn't it? Moss Mansion. The handsome stone mansion in Billings, Montana was built in 1903 with up-to-the-minute technology, like a call button system for servants, according to the historical society that now owns the home. Preston Moss was a banker, newspaper founder, and all-around entrepreneur. He even started his own toothpaste factory. Over time, the Moss Mansion was witness to several deaths in the family, including the tragic loss of the family's sixth child, five-year-old Virginia, from diphtheria in 1908. As with any old creaky home with lots of history, the mansion has attracted its share of ghostly legends. That little Virginia still flits around the mansion is the tale with the most basis in history. Another manifestation is said to be a male who likes to hang out in the master bedroom. Virginia's sister, Melville Hollingsworth Moss, is another candidate for the haunting. She lived in the mansion from the time she was seven until her death 82 years later. Yes, Virginia, there is an afterlife. Rotherwood Mansion Perched above the Holston River in East Tennessee, Rotherwood Mansion is allegedly home to at least two ghosts, one sad and one scary. The melancholy ghost is known as the Lady in White, as they usually are. According to legend, she's the spirit of Rowena Ross Temple, daughter of the owner, and Rowena's first love supposedly drowned in the Holston River shortly before their wedding. She married twice more, but then committed suicide by drowning 
in the same river that claimed her first fiancé. Her wedding gown-clad ghost is said to roam the house and riverbanks, looking for her lost love. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Far more frightening is the ghost of Joshua Phipps, a slaveholder who ran the estate in the 1840s. Phipps was a sadistic master, the story goes, much hated by both his slaves and nearby townspeople. In 1861, Phipps fell ill. The ghost stories say he died not of his sickness, but of suffocation, when a great black cloud of flies landed in his room, covering his face. At the funeral, a team of horses strained to carry the coffin uphill, but the cart wouldn't budge until thunder cracked and a huge black dog suddenly burst out of the casket and ran away. This black hound is said to still roam the mansion grounds. Though these legends seem unusually detailed, they're likely more folklore than fact. The first records of the ghost stories don't appear until the 1940s. Labadee Mansion Haunted Ruins and a Murder Mystery? This spot in Bartlesville, Oklahoma has it all. Little stands of the Labadee Mansion beyond a few brick walls, but these ruins are said to be haunted by the ghosts of Frank and Samantha Labadee, as well as their former slave, Enos Parsons. The legend goes like this. In 1893, Frank Labadee shot Parsons in a jealous fit, believing that he had fathered his wife Samantha's newborn baby which Frank threw in the creek. Decades later, in 1935, Frank claimed that Parsons was haunting him. He shot his wife and then himself. The ghosts of the entire family, including the baby in the creek, are said to haunt the ruins and surrounding woods, along with the ghost of Parsons. On occasion, the story goes, ghostly shots ring out, startling birds out of the trees. Or maybe not. Other sources suggest that Samantha and Frank died of carbon monoxide poisoning in 1935 from a leaky stove after celebrating 50 years of happy marriage. No slaves, illicit babies, or murder involved. Since we're on an imaginary tour, why limit ourselves to the United States? Off we go. The Proctor Hauntings have you ever spent the night in a house reputed to be haunted? This story could make you reconsider. It was the autumn of 1834 when the Proctors, a Quaker family, began to notice disturbances in their house near Tyneside in northern England. Every member of the family complained of hearing footsteps and whistling that could not be accounted for. The sound of a clock being wound could not be explained. Over a six-year period, the intensity of the haunting increased. The stomping of angry footsteps echoed throughout the house and was contrasted by faint whisperings. Then there were the apparitions. The white figure of a strange woman was seen in a window by a neighbor and then seen in other rooms of the house by the proctors. A disembodied white face appeared over a stair railing seeming to watch the family. 
The Proctor's plight was known throughout the area, and then, as now, there were skeptics who were certain they could explain it all away. On July 3, 1840, Edward Drury, a local doctor, volunteered to spend a night in the house with his colleague, T. Hudson, while the Proctors were away. Dr. Drury armed himself with pistols and waited on the third floor landing, unafraid of what he was sure were mundane house noises. Less than an hour into his vigil, Dr. Drury began to hear soft footfalls, then a knocking and an echoing cough. Hudson had fallen asleep, but at about 1 a.m., Dr. Drury watched in horror as a closet door slowly swung open, out of which floated toward him the ghostly lady in white. Drury screamed and charged the phantom, succeeding only in tripping over his friend Hudson. What happened next the doctor could not recall. I have since learned, he later wrote, that I was carried downstairs in an agony of fear and terror. Some years later, the Proctors could stand no more of the unexplained manifestations and vacated the house in 1847. The building was later torn down. But did that end the hauntings? Good question. The Old Woman Haunting Some teenagers think it's fun or cool to go traipsing around disrespectfully in cemeteries on Halloween. If you have ever considered such an outing, consider too that you might be disturbing those who rest there and something might even follow you home. A 17-year-old British girl made that mistake. It wasn't Halloween, but the spring of 1978 when a girl, identified only as Miss A and several of her friends, decided to make their way through a local graveyard, trampling graves as they laughed and joked. Only Miss A and her family was to pay the price for that prank. Several nights later, Miss A awoke to see the apparition of an old woman sitting in a chair near her bed. The spirit was not transparent and Miss A did not sense any harm from it. In the morning, she wrote the experience off as a weird dream, but it wasn't. For several weeks following, Miss A repeatedly saw the ghost of the old woman, sometimes in broad daylight. It would follow Miss A from room to room, hovering less than a foot above the floor. At times, it watched Miss A's every move following her and would freeze in place whenever she turned to confront it. And soon the encounters became more threatening. While making tea one day, she felt an unseen force grab the tea kettle, filled with boiling water, and twist it in her hands. Miss A felt that the entity was trying to scald her. Finally, Miss A told her mother of these bizarre experiences. Mrs. A was skeptical at first, until she too saw the old woman drift across the downstairs hall and disappear into a room. The entity continued to make its presence felt. On one occasion, it wrenched the vacuum cleaner from Mrs. A's hands. It would sometimes push or pull against doors that family members were trying to open or close. Miss A's father, the most diehard skeptic of the group, was even forced to believe when loud rapping noises awakened the entire household and later when he could not explain water incessantly dripping from the kitchen ceiling. A plumber could find no leak. The poltergeist activity escalated. Loud banging, unexplained snoring sounds, objects moved about, and then, it seemed, the entity attempted to make its identity known. Miss A was sitting with her father one day when she suddenly fell into a trance. 
she began to speak of another life as the daughter of a French doctor in the 1800s. After this incident, Miss A's behavior changed noticeably, and she appeared to be endowed with unexplained psychic powers. She could bend the tines of a fork just by brushing them with her fingers. Doctors and other investigators could find no rational explanation for what was happening to the A family, but they could endure no more. Miss A and her family moved out of their home of 11 years. But the ghost was to give Miss A one last life-threatening scare. Out of a nagging curiosity, Miss A returned to the empty house one day. She found the back door broken and open. She went in. She picked up the telephone to see if it was working. Suddenly, something grabbed her by the throat. Icy, unseen fingers had grabbed Miss A by the neck and were choking her. Terrified, she managed to pull herself away and ran out the front door. Not surprisingly, she never returned. Well, since we're traveling in our imaginations, let's do some time traveling, too. The Mackie Haunting By now, it must be clear to you that not all hauntings are benign. They can sometimes, although rarely, be far more physical and threatening than a fleeting shadow drawn by Casper the Friendly Ghost. What took place at the Mackey Farmhouse beginning in February of 1695, for example, is one of the most active and violent poltergeist cases on record. It was well documented, having been witnessed and experienced by more than a dozen upstanding members of this Scottish community. Andrew Mackey, described by neighbors as honest, civil, and harmless, lived in the modest farmhouse with his wife and children. The property had been known to be haunted, but the Mackeys experienced nothing out of the ordinary there until that February. The attack on the Mackeys began with an assault of stones and other objects, thrown by some invisible force. Several family members were struck and injured by the missiles. The family sought the counsel of Alexander Telfair, their parish minister, who upon arrival experienced firsthand the bewildering phenomena. Whatever the entity was, it, quote, molested me mightily, Telfair said, threw stones and diverse other things at me, and beat me several times on the shoulders and sides with a great staff, so that those who were present heard the noise of the blows. The hateful presence was unrelenting. The Mackeys testified that it attacked their children one night in their beds, delivering forceful spankings. More than once, it would drag people around the house by their clothes. An investigation described, A blacksmith narrowly escaped death when a trough and plowshare were hurled at him. Small buildings on the property spontaneously burst into flames and burned to cinders. A human shape, seemingly made out of cloth, appeared groaning, Hush! Hush! This being the late 17th century, the Mackeys were quick to attribute the phenomena to demons. On April 9th, Andrew Mackey enlisted no less than five ministers to exorcise the farmhouse of the demonic spirits, but the ministers were to have their hands full throughout the ritual. Stones hailed down on them. A few of the ministers, including Telfair, claimed that something had grabbed them by the legs or feet and lifted them into the air. The clergymen were not willing to yield victory to the entity, however, continuing their exorcism efforts for more than two weeks. Then on Friday, April 26th, the voice from the invisible specter declared to them, Thou shalt be troubled till Tuesday. 
When that day arrived, the victims watched in astonishment as a dark, cloud-like shape formed in the corner of the Mackey's barn. As they stared, the cloud grew larger and blacker until it nearly filled the entire building. Blobs of mud flew out of the cloud into the faces of the witnesses. Some were gripped by some vice-like force, and then it vanished, just as it promised it would. Well, let's bring ourselves back to ourselves now as we come to the end, sitting in our comfortable chairs at home or wherever you may be, safe in the belief that hauntings happen to other people. Really? Then tell me, what was that noise you can't identify down the hall or in another room? What made that shadow you saw out of the corner of your eye? Where did that chill come from that just brushed your neck? One wonders, doesn't one? Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. And at the first weekend of the month, we have video from... The Witching Hour, and Unexplained Cases. Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories, nothing in particular, no particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. So all the all the stories that are involved with RPA are there, so you don't have to go hunting for them. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments, or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you.